Hello and welcome to B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizik. B2B Revenue Leaders is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero creates strategic video testimonials that close trust gaps and close more deals faster. Learn more at testimonialhero.com. On today's episode, I am joined by Sophia Silva, who is the Demand Generation Manager at ReachDesk. Sophia and I chat about how driving long-term brand engagement is really the only way to drive long-term business success, how B2B marketing is really human to human, and how ReachDesk uses their own platform for gifting. Hey, Sophia, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me. So today we're going we're gonna to bounce around to a couple different topics from gifting and how ReachDesk uses ReachDesk. We'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah. something you sent in before the show was you know, the focus on long-term brand engagement and how that's really the key to long-term success. I'd love to hear about how ReachDesk is thinking through that. And then we'll dive into you know, how to convince your C-suite to actually do that because some companies are probably struggling with that. Yeah, sure. So yeah, as I mentioned, I think nowadays... You, if you have, if you want to have long-term success, you really need to have a really good brand engagement with your prospects and your target audience. And it's not just a marketing effort, I think, right? It's something that everyone, it, it should be like an all hands on deck kind of effort, not only from the marketing side, but even from like the sales side. And, and at Reach Desk, we work a lot together to kind of achieve that. And even within the marketing team, right? It, can, it can't be a, like a demand gen effort or an ABM effort separately. Uh, it needs to be the content team, your social team, your demand gen team, your product marketing team. Everyone needs to be focused on delivering the best value that kind of helps your brand connect with, with your target audience, right? I feel like more and more people don't want to hear from brands. They want to hear from yeah. people. And if you can humanize your brand somehow, and have that humanization of your brand being throughout all your, your efforts and all your lines of communication that you have with your audience, that's, that's a really cool way to, to build that engagement and to make sure that your audience trusts you and they know who you are and they are familiar with you. And when it comes down to making a decision, you're, you're the, the obvious choice. Yeah, and I mean, that's, like you said, long-term, I think, is the key word there because you can't do that overnight. It's not like turning yeah. on a new keyword, a new campaign in Google ads and seeing a couple leads come in. So how at the same time, you know, as marketers, we're all stressed a little bit on the next results and what we're going to do. So how do you think through bouncing that short term versus long term and, you know, prioritizing all that? Yeah, I think balance is is the keyword, right? At ReachDesk, we obviously we need to have short term results. And I think all marketers right now are focused on having proving the ROI, what they're doing and just making sure that the delivering on the targets that were defined. But also long-term is really important because if you only focus on tomorrow, you know, what's going to happen in, in the next year, right? And I think even more than that, I think marketing per se, it's a long-term game because if even if, if as you've said, even if you turn a campaign today, you probably won't see results tomorrow, right? And that's even more true like with motions like ABM, for example. If you start doing ABM and working with your sales team to go after certain accounts, you won't see the results of that tomorrow. You'll see some signals of what it's working and what it's not tomorrow, but the actual results and the actual goals, you'll probably only see that very long-term. So we try to focus on that long-term engagement and then long-term goals and to kind of achieve or, or see it in the short term if we're going in the right direction, we are focusing on like intent kind of signals or, or leading indicators that are showing us that we are going in the right direction. So instead of focusing on, and obviously we focus on 
revenue and, and the deals that we win. But we also focus on the smaller things that show us that people are engaging with our content, that our target accounts are coming to our to us and, and are just, you know, being familiar with who we are and we are growing that presence because we're very small still. We're very young as well in the market. And so kind of building that familiarity that obviously will help us in the long term is very important, both for the long term and the short term. Because there are companies that even though everything that's happening in the in the economic world, they're still buying, right? So we still need to be there for, for them and we still need to provide all the resources. So I would say that it's a balance between focusing on those higher goals and, and that affect more teams and then focusing on those leading indicators that we have, like the views that we are getting on our website, the engagement that we are getting on our events and our webinars, all of those things that kind of help us know if we're going in the right direction. Yeah, I think those those are key. Like you, And you can't let go of just gut feel in marketing. Yeah. Sometimes you notice a handful of one-off responses or things that come up in sales calls that are those indicators. I'm curious mm-hmm. that you mentioned working with sales closely, which you, I'm in a VP revenue role, so we have both teams. And I think you need the sales teams to work closely or else it's a horrible place to work. So how do you keep them aligned when, you know, they're, of course, obviously very focused on revenue because that's their livelihood and commission checks and everything. So how how do you get them to focus on the long term a little bit there? Yeah, I think that's a challenge for every for every marketing team, right? It's, we're doing a lot of, of things and activities and we want the team, the, the sales teams and the and the business development teams to be engaged with what we're doing and kind of showcase what we're doing to to their prospects and the accounts that they're going after. So I think it's really a matter of, of having them engage in what we're doing in a sense of having them in part of the process, mm-hmm. right? So it's not only, oh, here's this webinar or email blast that we created, now go ahead and use it. No, we want them to be part of the process. So we always have like a lot of playbooks that we include them in. We always have like meeting with, meetings with the managers to kind of know where are things going and what we can do in a marketing sense and how we can support them. And then I think a, a really key thing that have, has been helping us in the last couple of weeks, months, is that we just onboarded uh, Six Sense. And so we were able to provide our sales team with a lot more insight <laughs> into yeah. what is happening. And just just a, a key like data point that we, that we saw that we were like, oh my God, this is really working for them, was that our AE goals kind of went up the roof. After we onboarded that tool and we kind of gave gave them the tools that they needed to use it well. And so, you know, that's that's a signal that even though marketing might not be directly affecting marketing per se, we're affecting other teams and we're helping other teams. And I think that's also something that marketers sometimes forget to look at, because as I said in the beginning, it's a all hands on deck kind of situation right now. And if we just focus on what marketing is bringing and then we can going to all the attribution conversation that we already know, we would be like, you know, oh, everything is is bad, everything is horrible. But if you look at how we're impacting the other teams and the success that we're having as a whole, we, we see that it's there, right? It's it's there. And, and this was just an example of how we engaged the team and we provided them helpful information and, and a tool that basically changed the way that it worked and that had a major impact in them. Nice. And I think the like the interrelatedness, like you said, of looking at an individual channel is really tough because I don't know how many times I've looked at a campaign, thought, oh, this thing really isn't working. I turn it off and then it tanks something else and it was actually influencing it. And I just had no mm-hmm. idea. So yeah. it's I wish it was easier to track and have attribution, but 
it is a lot of it's all connected and you pull one string and it could kind of crumble everything down right so yeah exactly yeah. exactly Cool. And then I, I want to switch gears a little bit while we have time to talk about, I always find it interesting how companies are using their own product because, you know, they're the experts and they know how to test it and try different things. So let's talk a little bit about how ReachDesk is using ReachDesk. And maybe first, you know, for our listeners who don't know what ReachDesk is, do you want to let them know real quick what you guys do? Yeah, of course. So ReachDesk is a direct mail and gifting platform. We focus on helping brands build engagement with their prospects and their customers. So it's really all about, you know, the relationships that we're building. And we kind of help brands build those relationships across the entire customer lifecycle. So even though, obviously, engagement is super important on, on the prospect side, on the customer side, it's even more important. So it's really all about that full lifecycle engagement and, and building those moments that matter with, with your target accounts. Yeah, I think I like the call out on the whole full lifecycle because I could see it. You know, like the ABM approach, very top of funnel mm-hmm. marketing to mm-hmm. helping close sales deals, to renewals and celebrating customers. So 100%. do you want to walk through maybe a couple campaigns that you're really proud of that your team spun up and why it worked, do you think? Yeah, of course. So I think as, as you know, we, we usually say we like to drink our own champagne. So we use gifting yeah. a lot in our strategy and across all teams. So we use it from like a marketing perspective and an ABM perspective, as you were mentioning our sales teams uses it a lot as well. And then we obviously also use it on a customer from a customer marketing perspective. So from a marketing side, there's tons of things that we kind of leverage with gifting, either from an ABM perspective. So working on one-to-one campaigns for specific accounts, but also from other things. Like we just had a webinar yesterday. And one thing that we started doing a couple like years ago, I think that we saw increased a lot our attendance rate was just like an hour before the webinar, we sent out a coffee gift card to everyone that registered, reminding them of the webinar, saying like, here's some coffee for you to get energized for the conversation. And for example, yesterday we had an, like 40, 40 something percent attendance rate, which I would say for a webinar these days is yeah, pretty it's high. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's very high. And we don't stop there. Like after the webinar, we also have specific gifting motions for follow-up. So we see that that's, that's something that, really helps get people engaged and, and pumped up for what you're doing. And then our sales team, obviously, we use it a lot, a lot. So either to reach out to contacts that are either like a little bit colder or even to nurture contacts that we are just waiting to close a deal on. But I think the key, even more than specific campaigns or specific you know plays that we do, I would say that the key to gifting and to be success, being successful with it especially from an ABM or sales perspective, is really to focus on the personalization, right? There's a tons of ways that we can know what someone likes and what someone doesn't like as much. We can know by their LinkedIn profile if they have kids, if they have a dog, if they like sports. There's tons of information that we can gather just from like talking with them and, and following a little bit of what, what they post on LinkedIn and on social. So getting that information and having very specific outreach with gifting to, to those prospects is really what makes the difference. Like we had some reps sending out specific Star Wars merch to, to some of our prospects, some books on topics that they talked about on LinkedIn, and that really makes the difference. And then another play that, you know, it's very, very low lift for everyone. And to everyone who's listening, it's just very effective. And it's not about like closing a deal. It's really about, you know, building that relationship is to send a, like a care package, right? We had a lot of that 
we received a lot of that as marketers and, and we had a lot of our teams do that as well. If you see that someone is you know, not having a great of a week or someone is not doing so much better, or if they re- ask to reschedule the meeting because they're feeling unwell, just send them a care package. Say, hey, I noticed that you're feeling unwell. Here's like some tea, some cookies that make you feel better, or here is a dinner voucher so you don't have to cook today. And that makes a whole difference. Like we had a we have a Slack channel in which we share these fun things and fun reactions from our prospects to our outreach and to our direct mail. And we had someone a couple months ago saying, like, this made my day. I was feeling so, so, so bad. And your message, your gift just made my day. And I don't know if they'll close the next day. Probably not, right? Because it's not, that's not how it works. But just the relationship that you build there and just the, the, the way that you treat other people as humans and not just businesses that will buy from you makes the entire difference in, in the way that we, that we approach it, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's important to, like you drew the distinction there for like the Starbucks gift card one for webinars, for example, that is a pure reciprocity play, yeah. right? Like there's, that doesn't have to be personalized and I could totally see that working. On the other end, you know, customer you've had for three years who a CS person has been working with, they know their kid's name, what's going on in their life. And yeah. like one thing I've struggled with here because I've tried to implement similar things is having people really buy into the personalization because it's easier to send a generic gift and like mm-hmm. automate it through Salesforce or whatever tool you use. So internally, how have you done that? Are there any kind of fun tricks you've done to really focus mm-hmm. on the personalization? That's a good question. I think it's, this is probably not the que- the answer you want to hear, but I think it's like, <laughs> Part of our genesis. Yeah, that makes and sense. And so it's just part of the culture. You know, obviously, there, there are occasions in which our sales team sends generic things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there are occasions in, in which are like more bulky sense, of course. But I, I would say that most of the times it's very personalized and that's very built into the way that we do things. You know, probably not from like that, that standpoint you were saying, you're like, Oh, here's the follow-up to a webinar, and that's probably something general. Yeah. Or it's an invitation to an event, and it's probably something general. But if it's something that's more like down the funnel, or if it's really focused on building that relationship with with that specific account or, or contact, I would say that personalization is like the default. Mm-hmm. You know, and the team really spends time learning about the company they are they are talking with and about the the person they are talking to. And then, of, of course, on the customer side, it's the same thing, right? We, we are used to sending gifts to our customers when they get married or when they change yeah. houses. And that makes the entire difference. I'm not saying that, you know, the product doesn't make a difference or the pricing doesn't make a difference. But when you have this kind of relationship with, with a company, you, you might trust them more than, than just another random company that has a slightly lower pricing than, than this company that you're talking to. Now I can give an example as well that's not mine, but I, I, don't, I don't think Amber Amber will <laughs> mind me sharing her example. But she's been having like this working relationship with with a vendor for years now, and they're used to sending her gifts. She went to like virtual experiences with them, so they're really focused on building this relationship with her, even though that she's we're not a customer, like yeah. we're not a customer, and they're still focused on on building that relationship. But we know that when we're in the market for a tool like theirs. They are the ones that we're going to. So even, and I think gifting works on that as well. Like it's good for deal acceleration, 100%. It's good for keeping your customers engaged, 100% as well. But it's also these, again, long-term success 
that you might foster and build throughout time. And then you'll know that that person, when they're in the market, they'll be, you'll be the first to, to know about it. Yeah. And I think that, and just customer experience in general is going to be more important with just how quickly technology is advancing. And, you know, we've, I've come from a tech background as well, worked at SaaS companies, you work at a, a tech company as well. I hate to say it, but things are kind of slowly getting commoditized, right? Just because it's so much easier to build software that someone can rip off another product quickly. The thing mm-hmm. they can't rip off is the experience to the customers. And I mean, you can't just flip a switch or like have a developer spin that up. Yeah. So I think that's going to be key. Like the days of we have this cool new feature are kind of done because <laughs> anyone can just steal that feature in a few weeks and roll it out now. Yeah, yeah it's true. And I think there are, more and more companies are kind of the same. Yeah. And, you know, we were evaluating some some tool a couple of months back. It was really hard for us to identify the differences between, right? Because it's so similar and a lot of, it's it's just a, the way it is right now, right? A lot of companies yeah. are pretty similar. But again, that kind of relationship. And and I, I think that's my approach as well to marketing. I, I like to say that we should change from B2B to H2H and yeah. treat people as humans because, Sometimes we forget that we are dealing it as pe- with people just like us. We're not dealing with companies. We're not dealing with numbers. We're not dealing with a job function or a role. We're dealing with a person, right? Mm-hmm. And that person has feelings, emotions, all of that. And so I think that's what gifting kind of t- taps into is those kind of more emotional side of the of the business, is, if you want to call it like that. But it makes a difference. It, it definitely does, yeah, especially with, we look at CRM data and being in marketing, you look at all your marketing data all the time. It's easy to just think of companies as a number, like you said, yeah. right? So I think that's an important call out. And then one last question I want to ask, I've been yeah. asking most marketers on the show, especially demand gen people, because they're usually a little ahead of the curve. What are some things you're trying out right now? Like, what are you excited about to roll out and test? Hmm, interesting. I think... We had a lot of ideas. We, we were just in a, a marketing offsite a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of ideas there. And I think, again, <laughs> touching on, on the same thing, we have a lot of ideas that touch on the emotional side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that's like sharing, you know, the reactions of prospects and customers, your product, that's such an emotional release on the brain, right? You can say, oh, our product is amazing. Or you can have someone saying, this yep. is game changing. And when people hear someone saying that versus seeing a, an ad with, with your claim, it's completely different. So that's something that, that you know, just an idea <laughs> that I think would work really well. And then we're focusing a lot on providing value and providing content and thought leadership and just meeting our audience where they are. I think that's a focus as well for, for everyone right now. Just being more active in communities, being more active with creators. There's so many amazing creators and as I said in the beginning, people want more and more to hear from people. And so the companies that are tied with people have yeah. a lot more success than the companies that are just like, oh, no, let's just keep our strategy and, and they'll eventually come to us. That's not true. People won't. <laughs> so, so I'd say that, yeah, those two things, just focusing on the, and the emotional buttons of people and just work your strategy around that, not to kind of lead anyone in the wrong way, of course, but just to really focus on what people are looking for and what their struggles are and what they react to. And B2C companies do that really well. I think yeah. B2B companies have a lot to learn on that side from, from B2C companies that touch on the emotional side of things. And then just focusing on providing value, right? 
that that brand engagement that we talked about in the beginning is all about that. Because if 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 prospects and, and if if people look at you and your brand as, oh, I have a question on this topic, this is the brand I'll go to to answer it, that trust and that relationship will be there, right? Yeah. You'll be the one that first can, will come to mind to them. And so and I would say that those are two two big things that, you know, marketers should be focused on right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you're the same way, but I have my list of these are the companies I'll work with if we ever go in that direction. I've never spoke of them. I've never done a sales call. I'm kind of their hidden pipeline that they don't know about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's the way people buy. The one interesting call that you had there was kind of on the creator side and almost the micro influencer side, which B2C has been doing forever. It's kind of old hat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, B2B though with, you know, thought leadership ads came out, I think today for everyone on LinkedIn. I'm curious how many companies are going to hire evangelists who are just creators so that they're on the company name and then run these ads or, you know, run them for promo. And it's going to be super interesting to see how that world develops because every mm-hmm. guest I've had almost has highlighted that, like the kind of creator economy, micro-influencer thing. So yeah, yeah. I'm keeping an eye on that. We're not doing enough there. We need to try some things, I think. I know. And, and I think, as you said, it's not just like hiring someone to talk about your brand. You yeah. really need to make them an advocate. And that takes time to build and that takes, it's not just like, you know, <clears throat> paying people or just like saying, oh, here's here's the post that you need to, to do on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because that, that won't be organic, right? You really need to have people be like, no, this is the brand you need to go for. <laughs> and you need to do fun things with them. You need to create content with them. You need their voice to be heard on your brand ecosystem. Because otherwise we will be like, oh, it's just another another influencer that was hired to promote this. Yeah. And we see that a lot with B2C. And we also see that difference in B2C. There are companies that we know that those people are advocates for that company and they could probably even not be paid to promote, they would still do it. And then we see those people that are just like promoting because they have to. And we see the difference. And I think with B2B, it's the same. We have a lot to to work on and just be more new. And I think that's the the key, really. I think we forget that a lot in, in marketing and sales as well. It's just be more human. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end the episode. Actually, I think that encompasses it all, right? Because the the corporate speak, old school, faceless corporation thing doesn't resonate, especially with younger buyers coming up and, you know, slowly moving up the ranks. So, Sophia, that was a lot of fun. You know, we touched on a ton of topics. If people want to learn more about you, ReachDesk, where should they go? They should go to the ReachDesk.com. They have all the info there. And if they want to reach out to me, they have specific questions, they can just drop me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to answer. Okay, awesome. So we'll include those links for our listeners. And Sophia, thanks again. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thanks for joining me on this episode. My key takeaway is how important it is to personalize your gifting strategy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I appreciate a Starbucks or Amazon gift card as much as the next person. But as you're growing customer relationships and you're learning more about your customers and you work with them constantly, there's just such a great opportunity to personalize gifts that really stand out and make a real impact. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, I'll be back with a new episode next week.